Welcome to London Welsh Rugby Club Podcast. This is episode 5 and glad to see that many of you are going back and listening to the previous episodes that are available on all podcast platforms. Please continue to engage with this pod as the whole point of this is to create content that you all want to listen to. We have received great feedback on the Paul Besant and Rocky Hudson pod, so thanks very much for that. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the pod, Chris Jenkins, former head physio of London Welsh. How are you, Chris? Yeah, I'm good, Gaz. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, um, all good in grey Newport. It's uh, rain and it's wet in Wales. Um, it's been beautiful for the past uh, six, eight weeks on lockdown and it's uh, just given in a little bit. So uh, less barbecues and uh, playing in the sun, but still getting out and about. So uh, got to crack on, haven't you? You certainly have. So how's the lockdown been treating the Jenkins family? Yeah, I mean it's been it's been okay. It's been uh, the wife got furloughed, and I've been cracking on doing some remote work for Russia and working on my uh, private business work. Um, so yeah, plenty to do. Almost like not enough uh, time in the day. I'm me and a few friends were discussing. There seems to be some people got two two ends of the spectrum. People that are flat out busy and haven't got enough time in the day, and others that are completely bored. So I'm on the uh, haven't got enough time of the day in a massive to-do list side of the the spectrum. So that's not a bad thing, really. That's always good to keep busy, certainly is. Well, thanks for joining us on this podcast. So I'd like to take you back to the beginning, really, and how you became a, a rugby physio. But before being a physio, did you ever play the sport? I was absolutely terrible. And uh, Lynn and the others will, uh, other players will laugh about this. I was terrible. Just literally schoolboy rugby for St. Joseph's in Newport, I actually played prop and uh, yeah, terrible handling skills, uh, not a good prop. I think I was just, I was heavy and big for my size, you know, by the time I was 14, 15 and then I stopped growing and uh, that was that really, uh, as, as, as Wales is brutal. In uh, <laughs> no coaching, I think uh, I think uh, the coaches are right, and I think uh, them saying, "Look, choose something else, uh, crack on <laughs> with a different sport." So, kickboxing and taekwondo was my uh, my exit, and uh, luckily I wasn't too bad at that. So you look after yourself, and that's that's the main thing uh, in that sense. So, how did what sort of made you or decide to become a, a physio and, and a rugby physio? That really. So. When I was playing rugby, I was still doing uh, taekwondo and I was doing you know, lots of different sports like uh, 13, 14, 15-year-old boys do, lots of different sports. And I developed um, a bit of a knee uh, overuse injury, a growth-related injury called Osgood-Sclatter's disease. And um, fancy name, that's what doctors do. They, uh, they name uh, conditions after themselves and then they're in the history books, medical history books forever. So uh, basically it was just a inflammation on where the uh, tendon was attaching to the bone as I was growing through a growth spurt. And um, I went to the NHS, didn't get much joy and I ended up going to uh, my parents paid privately for me to go see a sports physio um, in the Welsh Institute of Sport. Um, and I've forgotten his name now, it was Dean, Dean Conway, that's right, and um, yeah, he took me through it all, took me through the anatomy, took me through 
you know, what I could do to treat myself. And, and he also said, you can carry on playing your sport. What, you, what you've got to do is just manage yourself and um, you'll grow out of it. Pick you the sports that you're good at and um, maybe drop something and, and, and don't be scared, don't be worried and, and crack on, don't worry about the pain. And that was amazing advice. You know, the NHS, you know, as, as much as I'm very pro the NHS, I worked there for a long time and they've done, you know, fantastic work during this uh, period, during lockdown with the uh, COVID-19, um, you know, sports medicine's not high on their um, agenda and sports physiotherapy is not high on their agenda. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, and, and I, I left that appointment and, uh, I said to my mum, I said, do people get paid to do that? Cause I was in, already interested in, in the stretching and the, the muscle development side of things from, um, from sport and from martial arts. So yeah, I just kind of got really interested. And then uh, apparently I was asking for, uh, you know, anatomy books and I was, you know, 16 and, uh, I think it was a career fair and I spoke to a physiotherapist and. And then my dad, who's a, a loyal uh, Newport rugby fan his entire life, uh, you know, prior to the Dragons, prior to the Regions, he always has been and still is now, um, managed to get me down to Newport rugby around about, I think it was 95, 96. Um, Mike Delahaye was the, the physio then for Newport. Um, and I had uh, a couple of nights down there and I think I was sold then and um, knew what I wanted to do. A-levels. Um, and managed to get into um, Cardiff University to do my uh, physiotherapy training, which was the University of Wales College of Medicine back then before uh, it merged with the University of of Cardiff and the University of Wales. So yeah, that was uh, that was how I got into it. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, as a you know um, impressionable fourteen, fifteen year old, the one conversation with a physio inspires you to look deeper into that subject or career choice. And you know, here you are, you know, twenty five years, thirty years later. Um, you know, working as a physio still. So, um, so you said you worked, you know, for the NHS a bit. Did, you know, how did that come about? And did you manage to travel a bit early on in your sort of physio career? So yeah, so the courses between '97 and 2000, and, and and during that time, you know, the traditional physiotherapy courses in the UK were getting people prepared to work uh, in the NHS. There was a, a small sports physiotherapy there was musculoskeletal and injuries uh, included in that but they also covered cardiorespiratory like all the physios that are working on the wards right now in the nhs uh, trauma orthopedics uh, neurology and pediatrics you, you get you cover a wide base and you cover a little bit of sports physiotherapy but obviously it was something i was really interested in so some of the third years students were going down on tuesdays and thursdays to cardiff high school old boys where the uh I think he was the, he'd been previously, I don't know if he, he was ex-Wales A physio, Andrew Seary, and um, he took us under his wing, uh, and the third years and the first years worked together, and we learned our taping, so this is before we were qualified, and we, we, we saw the injuries coming in, and you know, that kind of, um, uh, yeah, the you know, Division 4, 5, uh welsh rugby uh and they're a different breed compared to your your lads who would have been uh you know four seasons ago three seasons ago where they're they're fit and strong these these guys were uh you know some unfit business guys from the city and uh trained you know or didn't do much training some just turned just turned up for matches so uh 
we saw all the injuries under the sun, you know, all the ones that you get from trauma and all the ones you get from being unfit. So everyone had a hamstring or a calf problem or something like that. So uh, got our hands stuck in there, um, which then we did that for three years, qualified and started working for the Royal Gwent Hospital in Newport. And at the same time, started getting a bit of physio sports experience, did a bit of cover for Bedworths, did um, uh, some, actually did, Mike Powell will say that, you know, he'd be happy that I mentioned this because he says I always talk about this, but I managed within one year's of qualifying, managed to cover a Champions League game for Barrytown uh, <laughs> Football <laughs> Club. So Powley would like this because he, he says I, I always mention it every single time. So this is for you, Powley. Um <laughs> Uh, did yeah, so we we lost to FC Porto eight uh, nil uh, in Portugal, um, so that was quite an experience. And then I went on to get some more rugby experience with Uick Rugby Club, Cardiff Met, um, and Car- uh, Kevin Bowerin was the uh, coach at the time at uh, Uick, and that was uh, that was interesting. You had a lot of young, uh, you had a young eighteen year old Ryan Jones coming through the system. And then uh, Ryan Harris, who was my strength and conditioning coach that I worked with at the Dragons, he was playing for them at the time. Even Danny Wilson was playing hooker for for Uick at the time, on and off. Um, I think he was just about to graduate. So there was quite a few connections with people that I'd meet further down the line. Um, so that was a good experience for about a year and a half um, before I moved on to... I decided to to um, uproot uh, after a couple of years after UIC and after uh, a couple of years in the NHS to travel around the world for a year, uh, and that was a bit of an adventure. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was up to that point. So yeah, it was uh, a good experience, good time. Well, it seems like you um, post graduating and your NHS work, you seem to fo- focus on the rugby. So what? Um... So what brought you to London Welsh then and how did you get involved with London Welsh and who was in the physio S&C squad back then when you first arrived? So yeah, I, I went travelling, came back, did the NHS for a while but realised I wanted to get into sport uh, and I went to a couple of different interviews. It's quite, you know, it's quite hard, quite kind of closed environment back then. They weren't doing internships really. It, if you didn't know people, you couldn't get in and... Um, uh, and eventually went for an English Institute of Sport interview uh, in Taekwondo and got through to the final stages and I didn't get it. Um, and the advice was go get your master's. So I researched around in the end. I decided I wanted to move around a little bit. So I went to London and, and decided to take the one in King's College, London. And while I was there, um, I got introduced to London Welsh Rugby Club when we were doing um, sports teams, uh, observation modules and case studies. So um, Mark Saunders, who I worked for in a private clinic while I was doing my master's to get a little bit of extra cash in, he he knew everyone used to do a bit of work and cover for London Welsh. He got me down there, introduced me to uh, the guys, and they were semi-pro at the time. That was um, 2000. Yeah, uh, seven, eight. Let me get that right. Two thousand six, seven, two thousand seven, eight. Um, and 
they went, decided to go full time. If I'm correct, now that's two thousand, yeah, two thousand eight to two thousand fourteen. I was there, so yeah, two thousand eight season. They decided they were going to go full time, and I got offered the um, interview. And Danny Wilson was the uh, the forwards coach at the time. Martin Jones was the head coach, and took the interview. Got offered the role, and um, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a, a kind of quite a small. Set up back then. There was Martin, Danny. Um, Martin left after a few months, and Danny got the head coach role. Uh, myself as head physio, uh, and then Chris Walton was the strength and conditioning coach. Um, and um, yeah, there was just a, it was just a small, tight group of us really. Um, so um, yeah, Pete Lowe was obviously uh, the rock that was there the entire time, and um, and. Dr. Andrew Cormack came on uh, onto the scene, you know, very early on, and he was the doctor right through the time that I was uh, there at London Welsh. So, uh, you know, it was a small group of uh, four or five of us, which obviously expanded over the years as coaches and the medical team and S&C team uh, expanded over that time. And uh, and uh, Pete got Turwin as his, uh, as his, his sidekick, Batman and Robin. Um, they're still with us. Pete yeah. and Turwin, they're still helping out with the club, no, volunteering. I- Doing lots of things that, you yeah, know, we couldn't live, with, couldn't live without them. No, 100%. No, they're amazing, amazing guys. And uh, looking forward to catching up with uh, both of them uh, for a beer. I've got this relationship with Turin. As I see him, I run and jump on top of him. And he uh, always gets excited and has a laugh. You can see it in my eyes as soon as I see him. And he, he can't get up quick enough to run away. So I just jump on top <laughs> of him. <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously they're great characters to the club. But you've obviously, during your time at the club, you've... Had some great coaches there. You mentioned of Danny Wilson and obviously Lynn Jones and Justin Burnell. They were your sort of key coaches you know, at the club. So, you know, any sort of stories of working with them at all? Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a crazy, crazy six years. Uh, obviously, Danny was, uh, I think, into his first head coach role, and um, yeah, it was exciting times. He brought a lot of professionalism and uh, discipline, and and. Uh, very strict environment and uh he was very keen on um you know making sure the boys were at that next level of uh fitness after his time with uh uh cardiff blues and so on and uh he was very keen on the body fat testing uh to the point where um he said that he he wasn't impressed with my body fat at one point so uh I don't know how it led to this, but it was a bit of fun, and uh, he agreed to it. So he decided to have a competition. Me and him, who can lose the most body fat between the 1st of January and the end of the season? There was a £100 bet on it, and he would get Chris Walton, the uh, strength and conditioning coach, to do body fat tests for me and him standing in front of the entire team and squad uh once every two weeks or something like that in front of meetings so obviously there was a lot of a uh, lot of bad it was it was good fun it was always good for morale as well there's a lot of screaming a lot of shouting and um yeah we it, to be honest he probably kept me the especially the the bet for 100 pounds he kept me the fittest out of all the coaches that I worked with in that respect and I lost a huge amount of weight during that time uh, but unfortunately he uh he won the bet by about 10 millimeters and uh had to hand over 100 pounds there's a photo uh, of that somewhere I think where he's pinching a bit of my fat as I'm handing him 100 pounds in a bar down in uh, 
down in Cornwall. It was uh, the yeah, last game of the season was down in uh, first season was down in uh, Cornish Pirates. So we we stayed down there afterwards. Well, you know, you might have given them hundred pounds, but at least you you were at your best when you you know, so you 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 won anyway. Look, look, anyway, you know, you, you, I mean, you're you're fighting weight. You're in good shape. So, um... Personal training and coaching and diet coaching would have cost a lot more than £100 back then in London. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, it was good motivation. It was good fun. And, uh, yeah, no, he was, uh, he was a good guy. And uh, yeah, he, uh, he he looked after us as well. So, um, yeah, no, it was a good time working with him. And obviously then the club progressed and he got coaches and he brought Phil Greenan in. Um, so... You know, we we developed on from there really, and the staff slowly starts to increase. And uh, I managed to get some physio assistance work. So we had a sports therapist called Laura Saker, uh, who's now Laura Sawyer, uh, and we had another uh, strength and conditioning coach, Jamie Sawyer, come in. You can see the link there with the names there. So yeah. uh, the assistant strength and conditioning coach and the um, assistant physio sports uh, rehab therapist. Eventually got together and married, uh, and I think it was uh, quite quiet uh, for a period of time uh, at the club. But um, you know, really happy for them; they're uh, doing really well. A couple of kids now, and um, so yeah, we moved on from there really. And see, Mike Friday and uh, Phil Greening took over from there, and they brought in. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of Wasps connections then. So Paul Cater came in from strength and conditioning. A crazy Yank, really nice guy, and he brought in. Um, Lee Eldridge to assist in, who I'm still uh, in touch with to this day and good friends with. Um, so they, they took over then and yeah, we didn't have uh, that, that successful uh, a season. Uh, we had some brutal, you know, I had my first experience of army camps with him and Danny and then they did it again. Uh, and they were really good fun. And I, I liked that side of things anyway, but some players, uh, some players hated it. Uh, the, uh, the military aspects, but there's some some amazing stories of uh, feats of uh, Mike Powell was uh, claustrophobic. So we managed to get him through these kind of Viet- Vietnamese style tunnel system in the dark, you know, outdoors, and he's uh, he's freaking out, and uh, you know, and there were boys that couldn't swim, and uh, there was this one particular uh, experience where we get put into a hull of a helicopter uh and lifted up above uh, a swimming pool uh and they switched the lights off spun the helicopter down and crashed you into the to the water and one by one calmly you had to uh to swim out of the uh the helicopter to the surface and to the side of the pool and there were people obviously claustrophobic there were there were people that couldn't swim and i remember it was dorian williams the the prop he couldn't even swim and he said no no boys i'm doing it i'm doing it and he and he got into this helicopter. They crashed it down, and he, he got to the, the the scuba divers guided him to the top. And fair play. So it was uh, some crazy experiences, uh, military camps, and um, yeah. Uh, and then we moved on to Lynn arriving. Yeah. So so I think obviously um, you're going through the coaches there and your time there. But with, in terms of your role as as, as physio there. What were the main challenges you faced when you were at London Welsh in terms of like the facilities and how you had to go about your work? Because I would say compared to maybe other teams, maybe not the championships, but certainly the premiership, our facilities would have been quite basic. Yeah, it was 
very early on, uh, as soon as I arrived in the first couple of years, I tried to make, I did touch base and make contact with uh, Harlequins. Uh, uh, Richard Bamford was the head physio there at the time. He's the head physio at Saracens now after a short stint at England. So I, I got some um, some mentors and some people who I uh, were able to just uh, discuss things with. And luckily we had quite a few, um, you know, teams in that area, which uh, um, I could get some good links with just to, just to see the differences and bridge the gap and, you know, take to the club, you know, London Irish has got X, Y, and Z. Harlequins have got X, Y, and Z, you know, just to give them an idea, obviously, because there was some ambition, obviously, to get up into the premiership and we had to slowly chip away at that and, and make improvements. So yeah, you know, budgets were tight and, uh, you know, we did the best we could with regards to the facilities we had and the situation we had. I mean, it didn't have that bad, uh, a decent sized, uh, physio room. This is the same, uh, I believe it's the same physio room and gym area that you've got today. I think, uh, it may have changed a little bit now. Obviously I think it's changed a lot actually, because the, the gym area is a lot nicer under Will Taylor now, cause he's, he's working out of there. And, um, uh, but you know, we, we did the best we could, Staffing is always the issue, you know. Um, you can you coach, you can have one coach and work with 15 players simultaneously, but you've still got a lot of players playing week in, week out, uh, you know, and you can't uh, can't really do much physio with 15 players at the same time. Yeah, you can do injury prevention sessions, but all the diagnosis, assessments, treatments, rehabilitation, it's very time-consuming. So the solution to that is to have, you know, in the modern-day clubs now you've got four or five you know physiotherapists two masseurs and a you know some clubs you know got doctors 20 hours a week you know i think that's mandatory 10 hours a week now in the premiership um all the things that weren't mandatory because there wasn't at the time initially set standards in the championship uh and i was really i couldn't wait for there to be set standards because that would mean they'd have to be enforced then there's no way around it uh and for me you know all the premiership criteria uh, I I was bring it on, you know, the paperwork. I didn't mind any of that, you know, because w- what it meant then was that you'd have to have X amount of staff, X amount of equipment, and certain amount of facilities, and your budget had to be X, Y, and Z. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was something I was really looking forward to. But we we made the best of it. We made good relationships with St Mary's University and got a lot of sports rehab therapist students in to help out with. Uh, you know, just, um, you know, the soft tissue treatments and maybe some injury prevention sessions that we would create and then they would observe them, you know, nothing that was uh, uh, out of their remit and we'd guide all that. So we had plenty of hands on deck and at times we had, you know, six, seven, eight therapists and the players were always kind of, uh, you know, disappointed if there was, uh, wasn't was six, seven therapists available at any one time. And I have to say, you know, initially it was just me uh, full time, and then we had, you know, two full time. But there was always, you know, four, five, six people around, and I think the players got used to that. Didn't realise, you know, uh, uh, you know what they had, uh, considering um, what the budget was. Um, but with, were there some play, were there some players though? Were they? Um, I suppose did they have any unique challenges with their rehab and fitness? Yeah, uh, and Welsh. Over the years, ah. Apart from, uh, I'll just 
Mike Powell always been on the physio bed. And, you know, he was always saying, you know, he's uh, looking after his body, looking after himself just by being on the physio bed and therefore he can train harder and play more. So he, uh, we had plenty of, um, plenty of interesting and complicated injuries over the years. We, what we were lucky to be involved with was the, we had the same medical insurance policy as the premiership sides we managed to, uh, Booper didn't work the first year and we tried to self pay and that was a little bit unpredictable. So we got onto the premiership, uh, insurance system, rugby care. And that meant then we had the same access to, to medical care as Saracens, Quinns, London Irish, and that made it really easy. So then we could have, uh, you know, the same level of clarity of diagnosis, MRI imaging options, uh, and you know, surgical consultations, specialist opinions, like any other team in the Premiership had. Um, so that uh, when you've got a small medical team, uh, and you know, it was me and you know, one other member of staff. Uh, after Laura, it was Lucinda Deeks. So you know, really, the core of it was myself, Lucinda Deeks. Um, and Dr. Andrew Cormack, so you need to outsource and get specialist opinions, and that was really helpful. Um, complicated, complicated injuries. Oh, I mean, we, well, let me ask you in a different way. Then. Do you think some of the key injuries that we had to certain players hampered our chances of remaining in the Premiership? Because that, you know, we had that first season with Lynn, we had a, you know great chance of staying up and you know you heard Jonathan Mills in the podcast a couple of weeks ago was talking about you know Hudson's injury if he'd have stayed fit we probably would have stayed up but you know that's one player but we had you know, Gavin was injured Ed was injured quite a bit in that season so do you think those sorts of injuries hampered our chances? Yeah I mean certainly you've uh, there was Minimal prep, prep, minimal preparation time for to develop a premiership site. You know, a, a a full premiership squad. We had a quality uh, group of players, but I don't think we had the and a lot of people say the strength and depth. Um, and we we didn't have an academy. So what that meant was players were playing a huge amount, and uh, you know, we had some key players, and like say Gavin Henson was a, as a massive sign in for us. Um, and in our very first pre-season match, he gets smashed in the face and the, the crowd are laughing and booing, you know, because he's grabbing his face, uh, you know, shouting these veins and stuff like that. And in the end, you know, he, he had a, a decent three-part fracture in his face. Uh, he tried to play on and, you know, we, we had to take him off. Um, and then that led to him being out for, you know, uh, six weeks then, which is not ideal when you're starting the season, uh, you know, a week or two later. And it was... Uh, it was a brutal start. We had, um, you know, Leicester Tigers was our first match uh, on the Sunday. Uh, we didn't have an academy, so on the Monday night we had to put out a team. I think it was against, I think it was against Wasps on the Monday night, uh, and then the following Friday night we had Harlequins away. So you've got three games in six days, and you know. Early on in the season, I mean that that takes its toll. The 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 intensity of the Premiership, and you know you need strength and depth, and you know a lot of a lot of players were 
playing a lot of rugby. Uh, and the, the important players were playing a lot of rugby. But I think we're just unlucky. Gavin was unlucky there, and um, Hudson was a Hudson Tongawea was a, a standout player. He was fantastic. He was fantastic his entire time that he was was with the club in the championship. But it was just like he he. I'm in the Premiership now, and he just stepped up to another another level again. And he was, you know, highly talked about. He was uh, doing a lot of damage, and um, yeah, it's just very unlucky to have a a nasty uh, nasty shoulder dislocation with um, with a nerve injury at the same time. And it was that nerve injury and some uh, just his his recovery was just slow, and it just it's just um, he he got a bit unwell, a few complications, um, and that he was a massive loss for us. Um, and uh, you know he's, he's after you know a year, well, I think it was about fifteen months. He um, he was looking, you know, fifteen sixty months. He was looking to get back and looking to get going, um, and then he tore his Achilles tendon as he was getting back to play. Um, and I think that's um, that, that was the end of his um, his injury period time then. So it was very sad. Um, but he's you know he's, he's happy. He's uh, back in Tonga. He's doing well. I messaged him the other day. See how he was doing. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that that was that was a massive loss. And you know we we had uh, other injuries then, which um, you know towards you know part of the season. Players that were just playing a lot of rugby, uh, uh, Ed, Ed Jackson and Mike Denby had, you know, pretty significant hamstring injuries at the same, you know, relatively around the same uh, couple of weeks, and you know they were they were big long rehabs, you know, um, borderline, you know, close to, you know, if they'd been any worse, they might have needed surgery. So, you know, you have your black back row obliterated at that point and there was you know there was there was numerous examples where you just saw the 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 difference between the championship and the premiership was just absolutely bruising and brutal i think that's where the you know the we had the quality but maybe not not the depth as as you mentioned really and that really did you know um you know the second half of the season when we tailed off you know that made it difficult for us to, to, to remain in the premiership but you know you were there those those three years with Two promotions and one prem season were great years for the club. So, what are your memories of, of that period, really? Oh, well, just I mean, there were just times. I mean, and I'm sure I'll be taking this story away from Lynn now. But for 24 hours, we were at one point we were qualified for Champions Cup. We after beating Sail away on a Friday night. We were qualified for the Champions Cup maybe 20 hours or something like that. We went into sixth position and we were doing really well. It was uh, it was absolutely amazing. I remember in that match, um, we were sail away and Neil Briggs, who, who used to play for sail, uh, I think some of the boys had now targeted him. It was just accidental, but he got his nose smashed to the other side of his face and... Um, and it was an absolute mess. And he ran off the pitch. You know, I think he was sent off the pitch by the ref, you know, for a blood injury. And he was like, quick, get me in there. And Doc took him in and cleaned him up and uh, did the best he could. And he, and, he, and he came back out to me and he said, Jenks, how do I look? And just, and I looked at his face. It was, it was clean, but it was a mess. His nose was a mess. <laughs> and I'm just about to answer. He went, right, thanks. And he just run off, side of the line, bump. 
straight on because there was no way uh, he wasn't going to be uh, not involved with winning that game against the the old guard. Uh, you know, trying to get one up on Steve Diamond, I think, at the time. And um, uh, yeah, we won that game and we were qualified for Champions Cup. So I mean, that's that's you know, times like that were amazing and 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 going on the road um, to, you know, matches, playing in, you know, in Grenoble with, you know, uh, five foot of, you know, four, five foot of snow uh, around the outside of the pitches where the, you know, the, uh, the entire community and the local village, uh, you know, in Grenoble just uh, pushed all the snow to the side for the game. It was a night game and uh, absolutely Baltic and, you know, just some, some amazing experiences you get when you, you get to have some European rugby, which obviously we hadn't experienced before, haven't been in the championship before that. So, you know, some amazing games. And I, I had a little look back today, you know, and we'd lost to uh, Exeter, in the championship, you know, a good number of times. So we beat them once at one point in the championship, but, uh, you know, we hadn't played for them for a number of years since they got promoted and to, to beat them was pretty special. Um, and to come so close in some other games, you know, against Saracens and, uh, and Quinns, there were some really, really close games. There were some, uh, exciting games and some, you know, some good wins, it was just amazing, and again, uh, prior to um, prior to going on to the Dragons, yeah, I remember going to uh, Leicester Tigers away, and there being you know twenty five, thirty thousand screaming fans. Same at the Gloucester at Kings Home. They were just uh, amazing matches for the club to be uh, involved in. They were great experiences. Um, so yeah, some some amazing trips and uh, some very very happy times uh in the premiership even though uh it ended up in uh, obviously relegation but it was uh, it was a hell of a year it was uh, it was high year. it was high profile you know it was high profile for the club wasn't it you know and you know oh, there yeah. were some close games i think you said you know that it wasn't a big squad so you probably would have developed some you know, really close friendships during the time are you still sort of in touch with some of those players yeah yeah i mean uh speak to Mike Powell. He does my mortgages. Um, you know, I speak to, uh, to Millsy and a few of the boys obviously speak to Ed Jackson, Ed Jackson. Uh, he, I worked with him obviously at Welsh and then he actually, uh, he played at Dragons as well. So he went up to Dragons. Same with Nick Scott because Nick Scott came on and, uh, there was a few boys from London Welsh that came on, uh, down at the Dragons. Um, so there's yeah and, and and you know keep in touch with uh, uh Andrew Cormack and Lucinda Deeks, Lee Eldridge, the, some of the staff there and you know yeah there's there's this few of the boys that you just uh, message and text and uh, catch up with and yeah no it's uh they were really always a really good group of people and um you know, uh, Adam Brown's in the Newport area, so he's a physio as well. So uh, stay in touch with him. Um, yes, no, it's great. To, it's, it's great to know that because you know you've you followed Lynn to the Dragons, and, and we'll come on to talk about your Russian experience. We seem to follow Lynn around quite a lot. I just want, want to know what you've got on him. <laughs> you know, have you got like uh, some photos <laughs> or something, or something? Uh, you know, you can. Uh, I think <laughs> you either do a very good job, Chris, or you've got something on him, haven't you? I think it's a bit of both. No, and I think it's it's <laughs> you just you kind of click. I think 
you know, you you work with the players, um, but over the course of your career, you know, you make good relationships with coaches and staff and you go through different experiences. And I think we just um, just kind of figured out how each other thinks and works uh, and sense of humor, uh, being both being a little bit mental uh, at times, uh, that kind of brilliant minds but uh, a little bit uh, a little bit crazy with it as well so um, just developed uh, a good relationship there and um, it was um, no it was it was it was it was nice to get uh, invited uh, to interview at the dragons and um, yeah to move on that that next stage of my career really after so yeah I did a year we went back down. I did another year with London Welsh with Justin, and um, and we were looking. We were looking to buy uh, a house as well. We couldn't afford to buy in London, uh, like most people can't. So, um, yeah, that opportunity came up, and went back to Wales, bought a house, and started working with the Dragons. And um, what do you think are sort of the key differences between London Welsh and the Dragons from, from your work perspective? Were I think. You know, they obviously uh, regional rugby and Pro 14 was was very different with no relegation system. Uh, you know, they've they, been a well-established club. You know, uh, you know, top uh, top club for you know a number of years uh, with Newport, and then obviously regional rugby. So, um, you know, I was walking into a much bigger environment. There was. Uh, a lot more staff, a lot more analysts. Uh, medical team was was bigger, so we had uh, not a huge amount bigger. There was still uh, still still budgetary challenges at the Dragons, but you know there was three of us, and there was uh, two or three S and Cs of interns, uh, high performance managers, and also it, yeah, it was very different because I was head physio. I was in London Welsh. I was the kind of medical lead and medical manager and in charge of all aspects of the medical system whereas at the dragons i had a boss i had a medical director on top of me uh while i was the the head physiotherapist and the main person on the ground i had someone as well who i had to answer so quite a few different uh managers so that always makes it a little bit more complicated i think it was a little bit more streamlined at london welsh um with direct back and forth uh Lynn, the head coach, uh, and it was just a little bit more complex, uh, more staff and um, more managers uh, at the time at the Dragons. But it was fantastic. The players were fantastic. And um, it was just a bit of a – it was a bit of a dream come true because I'm a Newport boy, so it was good to come back and to to work at the club, which I'd got work experience in uh, between, you know, 95, 96. And, you know, uh, you're looking what – yeah, 18, 19 years later, um, getting the head physiotherapy role at that same club. So it was quite an amazing experience in that respect. And, um, you know, some, again, some some fantastic, some massive games. Beating Stade Francais away uh, was amazing. And um, the Judgment Day games uh, were fantastic. Um, but yeah, it was, it was you know, the, the club, Again, had its had its challenges, had its financial challenges, um, 
but yeah, there's, how long? You know, yeah, how, how long were you the dragons for then? Chris? Yeah, three and a half years. Three and a half years. Okay. So yeah, and it was, and, it was, it was, it was good fun. There was some some really good staff there because uh, uh, Lynn and Kingsley were there. Uh, Kingsley Jones, um, Hugh Bevan was the high performance manager, and then I worked with um, Ryan Harris and Simon Church, the strength and conditioning coaches, good guys, and Will Precious was the the lead analyst at the time and he's I work with him at Russia Rugby now he's the the lead analyst at uh, Russia Rugby um and um yeah Kate Evans and a few other guys uh Hannah and and uh Kat but, but the coaches but the coaches were like with Lynn Jones then Lynn was there for a while then it was Kingsley and then was it Bernard Jackman after that yeah so uh yeah and of the 2016-17 season, um, again it was uh, yeah, Lynn, Lynn had left and Kingsley had taken over for that period of time. And I, I remember another massive victory against Gloucester away, which was fantastic, and getting to the semi-finals of the the Challenge Cup against uh, Montpellier. Um, and at the end of yeah, it was the the club was in, you know real financial issues and the WRU stepped in and, and took over. So um, I was out of contract and um, yeah, I kind of covered the the summer and then um, we were all waiting to hear about contracts and jobs. And um, yeah, I, I got asked to re- re-interview for my job and um, I didn't get it. So um, that was that a uh, couple of weeks notice and then moved back to London quite quickly. Um, back to back to Richmond and uh, the St Margaret's area, and started working in a private clinic there in Chelsea. Came back to the smoke for the big money. Um, mm. So you're out of rugby for a while, um, and then you mentioned you worked with Russia Rugby because they contact say with Lynn and um, these some of the analysis guys. So ha- so you ended up there. So it's due to the sort of the links you'd made in your career previously, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. Yeah, I was working in the clinic, and you know it was it, it was okay, but I just didn't have the same drive. For, uh, I was missing rugby, and um, I've been you know chatting back and forth and just seeing what was out there. And um, I was in the I started to um, get back in touch. So there was a, a player for London Welsh in the Prem season called uh, Kirill Kuhlman, who had been uh, a big player for Russia. Uh, previously before uh, one second of row yeah 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 Dolph Lundgren um, <laughs> and uh, he was a lovely guy and um, I got on well with him and his my wife's Russian and his wife obviously is Russian and they, they became friends and we stayed in touch after he went off to to sail rugby and then uh, I think Perpignan um, so we stayed in touch over that period of time and um, uh Managed to get in touch with him over that time, uh, and and then you know him. Then Lynn got in touch quite shortly afterwards, and uh, him and Lynn had um, had um, hooked up, and uh, Lynn got offered the uh, the position uh, working with Russia Rugby, and yeah, I got approached then to um, provide physiotherapy. Uh, rugby specific physiotherapy services uh, for Russia Rugby I heard Lynn mentioned he wouldn't take a job unless you came with him 
<laughs> I was, it was, um, it was, it was. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen at some point. You know, there was there was talks, and you know, just uh, you know. Um, so I, I kept working the clinic, and then actually, I had a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, Kingsley Jones was coming over Canada for um, a pre-tour of France because they had a repercharge for the Rugby World Cup. So that August, uh, two thousand. And eighteen, I did a couple of weeks working for them because I believe uh, one of their physios were off on maternity leave, and uh, I think Kingsley was trying to save a little bit of cash as well and say, look, rather than flying another person who I don't know out from uh, uh, Canada, um, he managed to get me to come in and help them for two weeks. So that was good just to get my foot in the door in, in international rugby, do some work with them, and then um, you know from there. Um, made a deal with with Russia and, and uh, the rest is history. I've been working with them ever since. Were you involved then in the in the qualifying campaign for the Rugby World Cup with Russia? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, first match I did uh, with Russia, which is quite ironic. Uh, so my first match with Russia was against the Dragons. Uh, as a as a warm up friendly before they played Japan in um, in um, November two thousand eighteen, so it was kind of a year out from the World Cup, uh, and that was uh, Russia's game in, in Gloucester. It was a very close game, um, and that was my first match with them. And that's when I got to meet all the staff and meet the teams. A bit a bit of a you know informal interview. Get to meet everyone and. Um, you know, see if uh, it was the right fit for me and the right fit for them. Um, and yeah, I started working with them full time then from uh, from January two thousand nineteen. And they'd qualified by then to the World Cup, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, some some there were some various uh, they they qualified uh, via some disqualifications of other oh, teams. Yeah. I it think was... there was some illegible it... players points, fines, and oh, so on, disqualifications. There's all, there's all sorts going on. I think um, yeah. Romania benefited from a game between Belgium and Germany because there was a Romanian referee or something. But look, let's not talk about that. Let's, no, talk, no, about no. Your, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about your Rugby World Cup experience because I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about what, what it's like going to the World Cup you know, in your role you know, with Russia and that you're the first game to open the World Cup against Japan. Well, tell us about your World Cup experience. Uh, I mean, the, the whole, the whole, the whole year was fantastic. You know, was, you know, opened with welcome arms from the the staff and the players. Um, we we travelled all over Russia to various camps. Our main camp was in Sochi, but we had altitude camps in Kislovsk. Um, you know, which is not far from the the, the largest mountain in Europe, Mount Elbrus. Um, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, a Nations Cup, a tournament in. We trained with the, the Argentinian national side. Then we had a tournament uh, over in Uruguay. So we 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 travelled everywhere. We had you know preseason. Uh, we had friendlies against Italy in Italy, and then trained with Zebra. So we it was a full on year. It was amazing, and uh, we all bonded very very quickly. Um, you know, because I came in a little bit later than uh, Lynn and Sean Connor and 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 
Will and Mark Bennett, the strength and conditioning coach. I came in a few months, uh, you know, maybe four or four months later. Um, and it was just a fantastic year. And it was just a, a whirlwind because you just, your eyes on that prize, you know, that opening game against uh, Japan in the World Cup. And that, that, that year flew past. It was absolutely amazing. Before you know it, um, we're suited and booted and we're, we're getting on a plane uh, to Japan. And it was um it was just the welcome was amazing. Uh, it was you know, uh, you know, you arrived in Japan and uh, I'd never experienced anything like it at that, that club club rugby level. Um, just how you're you know whisked about and uh, you know the, the facilities and the the food, how you got looked after, and the you know the escorts, police escorts, and just just everything at every level and just that level of uh, you know. Uh, Japanese Japanese culture and the the style of the Japanese as well. Everything was efficient and run like clockwork, and you know, uh, bullet trains here and there, you know, to get to different parts of the the country. Um, absolutely amazing, you know, the amazing welcoming ceremony. Uh, and then before you know it, you know, the uh, the the night is upon us, and it was just absolutely epic you know uh i i yeah i, I can't describe it as uh, the, the career highlight uh to date you know there's some amazing um games like i said before leicester tigers away and then you know judgment day games star france but there was nothing nothing quite like it not even the uh internationals we'd done in the year it was it was, it was phenomenal you know full crowd and um you know I think all the pressure obviously was on Japan and, you know, it was, I remember correctly, it was something like 12, 10 at half time. It was, uh, it was close, you know, uh, I think we, we, Japan was a team that got better as the tournament went on. They got better and better. I think we caught them uh, in the headlights in the first game, all the pressure was on them. Uh, and then obviously um, they, uh, they took away from us then in the, uh, the second half, but it was, uh, just an amazing night, absolutely amazing. Oh, I, I, yeah. I had to watch the, uh, as usual, what's the physio doing? I didn't watch any of the welcoming ceremony. I had to watch that on TV uh, a few days later because obviously we're uh, we're prepping the players, getting them ready, you know, strapping them up and uh, preparing them for the game. So I could hear fireworks going off and I could hear uh, all sorts of music. You don't see any of that as a member of the medical team. Um, I can hear I can hear your smile coming through the internet. Do you know what I mean on this pod? So, but you know, Russia Russia scored the first try in that World Cup, you know, and and I think you came out of that World Cup with a lot of credit. Now, obviously, I, I was interested in watching Russia because you were working for them and Lynn was working for them as well, and you saw lots of old London Welsh people, I'm sure, around Japan, um, that sort of thing. But you're still involved with Russian rugby, aren't you? So, what's what's what are they? What's next for Russia and and for you, really? Yeah, it was. It was. I was going to say, yeah, Kirill Golnitsky, uh, fantastic centre, scored the opening try, and um, you just keep meeting people while you're there that you've met over the years that you've worked with um, in the English Premiership, and you know, Danny was the head coach of Scotland. We played against Scotland. Uh, Tom May was covering. Um, He's doing some media work during the Ireland game, so he came down, said hello, and and met us. And uh, you know, uh, w one of the ex London Irish uh, physios was uh, one of the physios working for Ireland, so you catch up with them and the, some of their docs. Uh, the, the Irish doctor as well had had, uh, had covered games in the Pro 14 against the Dragons, so you you kind of meet all these people that you've met over the years, uh, you know, five six years uh, prior. 
um, which which was really nice to see a lot of uh, familiar faces uh, at the World Cup. And um, yeah, so obviously once once that was done, um, you know the guys had a break and they went back to uh, their clubs. And yeah, we started again uh, this year. So yeah, I've signed up again now for another few years, looking more um, the longer term improvements and you know that kind of four-year plan uh developing you know sports physiotherapy services um it's an area where they have a bit of a bit of a gap and that's uh, where i'm trying to uh, bridge that gap at the moment because we, they, they got doctors and masseurs uh, but they don't have uh rugby specific or you know sports specific uh physiotherapists uh working with the squad and some of the teams so that's something that I'm trying to develop now. So, um, yeah, it's good. It's exciting. You know, the, I love the doctors and the masseurs. We've got good relationships there and with a strength and conditioning team. Um, and a lot of the players, uh, you know, uh, they're really keen to, you know, just take as much uh, knowledge off each of us as possible, really. So they they really are kind of um, lapping it up and they're, they're, they're good guys and uh, they're good pros. Uh and yeah, their um, their rugby championship starts very very quickly. So it actually starts, uh, I think it's the seventeenth, eighteenth of June. So yeah, so next week, if you want to watch some rugby, the Russian rugby championship will be starting. Um, oh, that's a domestic, domestic league, that is, yeah. Yeah, that's Not, a domestic okay. league. Uh, so you're signed up for another four years with it with in the World Cup window, right? So um, I, I think yeah, I've got a I've got a couple of years. Yeah, I think it's a couple yeah. of yeah, two years. So yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, but the COVID outbreak has you put a, a bit of a kibosh into the um, uh, international sort of schedule. Uh, it's all, all things are up for grab for the, for the time being. But you know, is there any sort of specific protocols that your industry have had to be sort of aware of because of COVID nineteen? Yeah, I mean, do you mean physiotherapy or do you mean uh, rugby so medical rugby. services in general? More sort of rugby related, you know, what yeah. are there anything you need to be aware of, you know, from a, from yeah. a COVID perspective and the return yeah. to play protocols, really? You know, um, very, we were, yeah, it was, we were going through the, uh, the tier two, uh, you know, six nations and we were, we arrived, we had a camp in Turkey and we had the last game against Georgia. We arrived and we were there for four hours and after being there for four hours, the phone call came through to say the game had been cancelled, which was a, which is you know it is what it is. Same for you know all the other international matches that are going on at the time. I was really looking forward to that though because Georgia away, Georgia being a big rugby nation, they would have uh, um, apparently it was a sellout, fifty five thousand, and that's you know a mass gathering which just couldn't go ahead really. So um, we got home and um, yeah, World Rugby were very quick to organize uh organize zoom meetings and conferences and get people working on uh protocols and they they spent a lot of time creating uh protocols which are all freely available on the world rugby player welfare website and i highly recommend they've put out a course there uh covid19 uh awareness course for rugby players and coaches and another one for rugby administrators and i highly recommend a lot of works gone into developing these protocols and um 
developing these courses so that people can understand you know how how different rugby will look when we get back to it um and that's why you know uh you know a lot of these matches international matches can't go ahead at this moment in time it's a real shame i think we were i think we 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 were going to have a double header against America and uh, potentially a game uh, against New Zealand. Mari was, was touted at one point. So it was a real shame that, that those aren't happening now, obviously in July. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's obviously, uh, I won't go into the details of it now, but if, if people want to, to understand uh, how rugby is going to look and uh, the kind of, systems and guides that are out there and available they're all freely available on the rugby uh on the player welfare world rugby site under covid19 so do check those out and do the course well yes well fingers crossed we get some international rugby at some point this year really isn't it there's a lot of speculation around so but just finally just want to get back to your time at london welsh really you know i feel the club means quite quite a lot to you and you really enjoyed your experience there what, what's your abiding memories of your time at the club Look, that, there's nothing on a nice day, you know. There's nothing like the most one of the most picturesque clubhouses in the world, and you've got the London Welsh Rugby Choir there, you know, pretty much every every match, and just just such a beautiful place, uh, great community, and every year players that would just stay and just mingle with the staff with the fans um you know it was just a just an amazing place that bar is a special place and i'm i'm really looking forward to the opportunity to come down i know i didn't manage uh, last year to come down to come to a match and just uh yeah because just just coming in for those gates and walking down that long path it always puts a smile on my face every single time it's just uh six years uh and then obviously memories after that whenever we've come down and um yeah it's uh the last match i did there was um the uh the last match i actually worked there was uh the ed jackson uh uh charity match um following his spinal cord injury so that was uh that was a that was a good match to do um, a few years back now. Uh, I think it was yeah. I think it was February March uh, 2018. Um, right. So yeah, just just an amazing place. And then you still like turn up there, and you still know people. You know, you know, ex players that are now directors of rugby. Kai Griffiths, you know, Will Taylor. He was uh, he was a Wasps loan during my time at London Welsh, he came over to us and, and played for us before he went on to the Scarlets. Uh, you know, the, the Pete Lowe, Turwin, uh, you know, Dr. Andrew Cormack was there doing that game. There's just so many people like yourself, guys. There's just so many faces, fans that are just, uh, you know, you come in and, uh, you know, people are offering to buy you a drink and you just, it's, yeah, it's just a fantastic, amazing place. No, I echo that. Look, you know, when you do come back, there'll be a pint on the bar for you, Chris. <laughs> look, you know, and what I want to say to you, like, good luck with Russia rugby. Say hello to Lynn when you uh, when you speak to him because he has promised to come on this in the near future. So we'll get him on there. But look, good luck with everything, and I really appreciate your time. So take care and all the best. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon. See you soon. Cheers, bye bye. What a top guy, Chris is. Hope you found that as interesting as I did. 
We want to have a variety of guests in this pod who have connections with the club and you can hear from Chris's voice. He has a lot of affection for the club from his six years at ODP. His career has gone from strength to strength since he left, both since at Dragons and now with Russia Rugby. Those London Walsh connections run deep and he still has the pleasure of working with Lynn Jones and meeting many of his former London Walsh colleagues along the way. Keep in touch, Chris. Next week, we interview Michael Talbot, our Operations Director, who talks us through about how important our members will be going forward and his deep links with the club. Until next time, take care.